Uh, my dad, whenever I was assistant pastor with him or working with him there, I uh, would pick out the songs for the Sunday service, and he'd always tell me, "It's uh, do a funnel and kind of a funnel and go from fast to slow to slow." And I kind of rebelled since I got a church here. And uh, I funnel on the Sunday mornings, but I reverse funnel on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I start off slow, and then I go faster. That way you're awake whenever I'm preaching to you at night. Okay? So uh, Psalms 127 tonight. Psalms 127. And while you're turning there, just a few reminders. Uh, ladies' Bible study is going to be this next, or uh, tomorrow. Uh, we put it off a week because of the viewing and the funeral and all of that. And then Philathia class will be next this next Tuesday at Marsha Babcock's house at 1 p.m. Uh, April the 25th. And then we're going to have a VBS meeting, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after at 9.30 a.m. We're going to finalize a few things, hand out the paperwork so anyone that is able to be there, be, please be there. And uh, let's kind of put together some of these uh, things we need to choose and decide on. And then coming up around the corner is the men's prayer breakfast on the 6th and our Kids for Christ Young Kids Activity. Uh, the ones that aren't going to camp are going to go out to the uh, Children's Museum in Saginaw. So we're going to have a great time together. Well, Psalm 127, let's read that together. Beginning of verse number 1, the Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Uh, well, uh, Solomon, this is the Song of, so uh, song of Degrees uh, for or by Solomon. Um, in the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon wrote also, he expresses the importance of realizing that life is empty and meaningless without God. And uh, picture this for a moment. The wisest, richest, most powerful man of, uh, of that time, after he had learned uh, and accomplished and gained Many things said uh, it was all pointless without God. And none of it had lasting fulfillment because he had forsaken God's plan and had entertained other gods, uh, the gods of his wives and concubines, and pulled away from God. And Psalms 127 echoes much of the same truth. Uh, written by Solomon, he speaks of what is most important to men, building a home and a family, protecting that family and their community, uh, working hard to provide for them. But Solomon comes to the conclusion that it is all vain without God's involvement. Uh, these psalms of degrees or psalms of ascent were held in high importance to the remnant who had returned from Babylon uh, and rebuilt the city. Without God's blessing and help, it was all vain. And the psalm is still very relevant today. As we work to build our homes and our families, as we protect them, as we work to provide for them, and yet the psalm points out uh, most are empty inside because they labor in vain. And their marriages fall apart, their families are ripped apart, and everything that they had worked for disappears because they left God out of all of it. And we see, first of all, we, have, we will have success, first of all, if the Lord builds. 
If the Lord builds it, in verse number one, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, <coughs> the watchman waketh but in vain. <coughs> it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, <coughs> to eat the bread of sorrows. For, he, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. When the remnant returned and began to build, they realized quickly, unless the Lord was on their side, all the labor that they did was in vain. And the enemy would destroy all of their hard work. And throughout Scripture, we see God give us the idea of building a house as a picture of establishing and growing a family for the Lord. And he tells us here that unless the Lord builds the house, first of all, we see that the labor is in vain. He says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And Jesus told the story of the two men who built their houses, and one built upon the rock and the other upon the foundation of sand. And when the storms came and the winds blew and the house on the sand collapsed, but the house that was built on the foundation of the rock stood firm. And Jesus then drove home the application of the illustration. Those who build their lives and their homes on the Lord and his teachings and his word build on a firm foundation and will weather any storm. And Proverbs 10.25 says, As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. And they can stand firm even in the midst of the whirlwind if we just trust in the Lord. We are all building on something. If you will build your home on the word of God, the church of God, and the principles of God, your home will stay strong. But when we build uh, or begin to build our home on the philosophies of this world, on television shows or popular ideas, it'll all crumble around us. Make God the center of our lives and homes. And nothing should take greater priority in our lives than the word of God, than the house of God, and the fellowship with the people of God. And when the storms come, the pressures, the challenges, the trials, the tribulations, the temptations, your home will be able to stand strong against the attacks of Satan in this world. Psalms 27 verse 5 says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me upon a rock. Keep your foundation, Jesus Christ, and nothing else. And 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. And secondly, our protection is vain. The verse continues, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman wake, uh, waketh but in vain. The men of the city in Jerusalem labored to rebuild their city and at times even had to work with one hand and hold a sword with another to protect themselves and their city. Without God, their fighting would be in vain. We can do everything we can to protect our homes and families, but we need to remember our true security is in the Lord. I believe we ought to do what we can to protect our families. That's a godly thing to do. But if in the end we're trusting in our own firepower more than God, and let's be honest, far too many are, our protection is in vain. I don't care how many guns, alarm system, booby traps, or any other protections you may have, if you leave God behind... If you're trusting in your own might rather than God's might, it's all in vain. The watchman waketh in vain, the Bible says here. The best protection we can give our families is to lean on and trust in the supernatural protection of God and teach our children 
that God is our protection. And throughout the Psalms, the Lord is a shield, a fortress, and a refuge for those who trust in him. Does that guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen to us? Of course not, but neither is having a gun. (laughs) Of course not. But if it is God's will for us to suffer, we will suffer. But we will only gain from it if we're yielded to his will. And countless Christians have suffered through the centuries and even millennia. And those have, uh, who have fully trusted in Christ have shown forth a beam of light throughout the centuries to testify of God's true protection. And we can use locks and gates and fences and alarms and cameras and dogs and even armed guards. But all of these are in vain if the Lord is not standing guard over us. And those who are some mighty men standing a guard over the tomb of Jesus. But they all fell at the will of God. They were trained soldiers. And yet when God's plan comes about, uh, man's plan fails. Our labor is in vain without God. Our protection is in vain without God. Thirdly, our hard work is vain without God. Verse 2, it says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Nehemiah and the remnant worked hard, but all their labor would be for nothing had God not been with them, as I said before. And just as building a house and safeguarding it is in vain without the Lord, so working long, hard hours without him is vain. And many people seek their satisfaction or fulfillment through work and working early, coming home late, working weekends. But many people too often ignore the real purpose of the home, to train up those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Far too many people replace God as their priority with material things, thinking it will make their family happy if they could just get them what they didn't have or what they think that they want. They replace the family altar with toys and presents. They replace the teaching their children with video game systems. And they replace taking their Uh, taking them to church with taking them to the ball games or vacations. And there's nothing wrong with toys and presents or video game systems or ball games or vacations. None of those things. Where they become wrong is when we replace God with them and make their a higher priority in our life than God. And far too many work extra shifts and long hours and replace the time that they could have spent with their kids, with their family, with the things that they can buy. And it's not God's plan. Our home ought to reflect God's will for our family. A hunger and thirst for righteousness. A priority set for attending church. A regular, regularly set time of praying together and reading God's word together. Many realize way too late when their children move on to go to college and work that they've been taught by example that their job And gaining things is more important than time with family and with God. And we'll have true success in our families and our lives when the Lord builds our home. We'll have true success in our families and lives when, number two, the Lord gives. Verse 3 through 5 talks about children. It says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And Solomon concludes this song by emphasizing that children 
that the Lord has given us are a gift from Him. We're stewards of these gifts, and we'll be accountable for what we do with them. In the language of these verses, we see that these gifts of our children uh, has a, first of all, letter A, a sense of investment. A sense of investment. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. We see children are an heritage. It's a gift given to us as an inheritance. But we also see that the fruit of the womb is His reward. His needs, uh, this points to uh, His, excuse me, the word His there. Let me go back there. Uh, The fruit of the womb is His reward. That word His needs to point to an antecedent. Forgive me for becoming a grammar nerd for just a second, okay? But antecedent is the word that is previously mentioned to let you know who the pronoun is. In this case, his. Who it's talking about. There's no mention here of a mother or father as of yet. Uh, The only mention of a person is the children and the Lord. And the children can't be their own reward. And so by default, we see the reward is of the Lord. I've heard many sermons mention that the fruit of the womb is the parent's reward. But it's the Lord's reward. There's no mention of parents here. And we have a giving, a heritage, and we have a return, a reward. And children are investment by God into our families. And we're going to give an answer for what we do with that investment. These children are not ours. They're his investment. And we need to take it very seriously. Not only is there a sense of investment, but these verses show, secondly, a sense of directing Psalm 127, verse 4, it says, Arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And just as arrows in the hand of a mighty man is directed by his strength and his skill and his careful aim, so are our children to be directed with all of our might, with great skill and with care. And we're to teach them in the way they ought to go. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word train up a child is uh, that Hebrew word carries the idea of touching the palate of. It's the mother would nurse uh, the child or wean the child and would chew food up for them because they didn't have bottles of baby food back then. And so that she would chew up the food and take it on her hand, on her finger, and put it on and touch the palate of the baby's roof of his mouth. And it would train the child to chew the food and to swallow the food. And it was teaching it the things to do. And when we train up a child, we're allowing that child to be influenced, to be taught. And Charles Spurgeon said, Let no Christian parent fall into delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them of their personal duties. The first and most natural condition of things is for the Christian parents to train up their own children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Far too long, parents have relegated their training uh, to uh, either the government or the church, one or the other, or both. And we have to be very careful who we allow to train our children. We have to be very careful. Now, we have good uh, teachers in our, in our schools, and I thank God for that. We have a, a good school here. Uh, but I know whenever I was in the city, some of the things, horror stories that I would hear coming home uh, from some of the teenagers in the church was just astounding. We have to be careful who, what we allow, who we allow to teach our children. And I'll come back to this verse in just a minute in the close here. But 
we see, first of all, that these verses give not only a sense of investment and a sense of directing, but also a sense of blessing. Verse 5, it says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, and they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. <clears throat> the city gates were a, a place where business was conducted and transacted. And it's an important part of Jewish society. And the mention of speaking with the enemies in the gate kind of gives the picture of the parents have raised up a man of strength. And he is now standing and supporting his father and protecting him, defending him against his enemies. And parents are blessed to have children who watch out for their best interest and protect them. Amen? And parents who raise their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord don't have to fear being left behind or forgotten if we do our job right. Now, there's still free will involved, don't get me wrong, and the, but the principle is true. Lovingly investing in your children and raising them under the principles of God's word and making him priority in your life and in your home, helping them make the right decisions when they're old, uh, they will not depart from them. Going back just for a second to verse number four, I read an explanation of this verse by Bible teacher John Phillips that was too good not to share. And so I thought I'd read this to you real quick before we close. He says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Arrows in the hand of a mighty man are arrows he intends to use and use effectively. Those arrows are going to go where he wants them to go and do what he wants them to do. Not everyone can make arrows do what they want. The ability to direct an arrow so that it will accomplish what the mighty man has in mind assumes quite a number of things, not least of which is the discipline on the part of the mighty man. And before he can discipline his arrows, he must discipline himself. He must learn how to direct arrows. He must master the art of archery. Learn aim, how to judge distance, direction, the strength, and the quarter of the wind. He must learn how to draw back the string and how to keep his eye on the target. Then, too, he must know how to fashion arrows. They have to be straight. He is not going to hit a target with a bent or crooked arrow. And children who turn out well are not the product of a haphazard home life. Bringing up our children is the single most important task we have in this life. Far more important than excelling in a, as a biochemist or a pathologist or a professor of economics. We need to study child raising. We need to study our children. We need to know the various stages through which they pass as they grow from babyhood to adulthood. Above all, we need to study the Bible so that we will know and apply what God has said in this matter. Then our children will grow up to be our helpers. They will help us accomplish our goals in life, and we will help them discover their own place in God's plan. And they will be extensions of our own commitment, able to help us in our prime, and willing to support us when old age overtakes us, when our own mightiness has passed away. Boy, what a great description, isn't it, of that verse? Oh, well, important that the home is, amen? We need to make it priority in our lives. Well, let's uh, go ahead and cut.